Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host, Josh Newberg. Special recruiting edition today. So I have Chris Nee and Zach Blostein with me. We're going to run down. It was a it was an important weekend in 2023 recruiting. Florida State hosted some guys. We're going to run that down. Also, Jacksonville defensive lineman Jack Pyburn was on campus on Friday, and that saga is officially over. We will get into that and uh, just talk about what's up next for FSU between now and early signing day. So, guys, welcome, Chris. How you doing? Good morning. Good. Oh, good to hear, Zach. It's a new week, new you. How you doing? Good. I feel like Monday came really quickly this week. Mo- yeah. Monday does, does come quick when you're on the bench all weekend, right? True, yeah. All right, guys. So uh, let's talk about it. Florida State, it wasn't – we're not going to call it a junior day because Florida State's not doing like a big concentrated junior day. But these are mini junior days. So uh, Chris, Zach, who wants to take it? Um, give me the big news coming out of the weekend. Uh, they had roughly around 17 to 20 kids total on campus, about 15 targets among that group. A couple of people brought other people with them kind of thing to push that number a little higher. Uh, headliner, probably Vandravius Jacobs, already committed to FSU, talented wide receiver from Vero Beach. All day Dre, as we like to call him, kicked ass and took names at FSU 7 on last year. Stood out to us there. The other guys I would probably mention at the top of the list would be the Carver duo, Kelton Smith and Dar- Darren Reed. Mm-hmm. Kayshawn Thomas came from Brunswick along with a couple of his teammates. Kayshawn's a talented D-tackle. He could actually also play offensive line, but he prefers defensive tackle from what I understand. And then linebacker Caleb Bailey. Um, I might be mispronouncing that last name. Zach actually caught up with him as he departed. He is a talented linebacker from the Georgia area that Mike Norvell and company dropped in on last week, and then he returned a favor by coming to town. He had been here previously, but Little brother, parents all came with him. Good times. I think he's definitely a guy that FSU's crushing on pretty heavy right now. All right, Zach, anything to add? Any new offers? Anything coming out of there of significance? Yeah, so the main new offer was to a local defensive back by the name of Cameron Upshaw Jr. He plays at Gadsden County High School, you know, just a short drive away from FSU's campus. Um, you know, it was – he talked to us after getting the offer right after he you know, stepped out of Mike Norvell's office and basically called it a, a dream come true. Um, it sounds like, you know, FSU is sitting pretty well. Uh, he's a guy that that's got close to 20 offers already. Um, I think South Carolina is probably one of the biggest contenders. He was there, uh, I believe earlier in the weekend. So FSU is looking good there. Um, you know, we'll see how the interest level uh, changes or increases going forward with Cam Upshaw. Um, I think, you know, they'll, they'll get him back on campus in March. Um, do you think he's as, a top target? Like, do you think on the DB board, do you think he's a local guy that Florida State's going to pursue? Because sometimes we see these local offers go out and the recruitments are kind of lukewarm. 
Yeah, well, FSU kind of has to be careful that like extending offers that they're not, you know, ready to take a commitment from, um, especially with local guys or in-state guys. So I don't think that he's like not a realistic target, but maybe he's not, you know, a super high priority one yet. Mm -hmm. Um, They offered him at safety. So it's not, you know, one of their uh, more coveted corner position offers. Um, I think, you know, another local prospect like Makari Vickers may be higher on the board in that position. Gotcha. But yeah, I was just really trying to see where he was compared to somebody like Vickers, who we know is a top target. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he can be, he, you know, He's not a bad prospect. I, um, he said he measured in at 6'2", 165 maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so he's got he's got size. So um, definitely got to keep an eye on, um, and we'll see if he keeps visiting and, and FSU continues to show interest. Yeah, FSU also had Kenton Kirkland. He's an odd defensive back from the Jacksonville, Florida Reigns area. He was in as well. Um, on the defensive back discussion of offers, they've offered over 50 DBs in the 2023 class. Well, a guy like Caleb Downs is clearly a top target because, well, he's just that damn talented. Uh, that board to me is very wide open right now. I don't feel like they've kind of focused in. Maybe a guy, Ryan Robinson Jr., is one who I can think of from Edna Carr, is a guy that they've put in a lot of work on, likes him a lot. Maybe Sharif Denson and Jacksonville. But I feel like that's a board where they've kind of scatterbombed it with offers. And, you know, as guys like Kwamani McLean and Tony Mitchell and A.J. Harris kind of fall off it to a degree, I feel like some of these other names that they're offering here recently are more, you know, we're, we're going to keep evaluating and figure this thing out when the spring rolls around. Gotcha. And also see who comes on campus. That's a good way to tell who's on the board and who's not is uh, after the spring ends and you kind of reevaluate who made it in town and who didn't. So this is kind of part of that. Um, what else did FSU accomplish this weekend? What do you, what do you take from, from these kind of mini junior day weekends, Chris? I mean, like Jordan Church came back in. He's been here for mega camp. He came for the spring game last year. He's a kid that really, really likes FSU. They've positioned himself themselves very well. He's at IMG, right? Yeah, formerly of Fort Myers Dunbar. Uh, but, yes, he is now at IMG Academy. FSU, Old Miss, Louisville are the early ones in there. He'll get more offers when the spring rolls around and more schools see him. Mm-hmm. But, again, like I, I don't know if he's better than Roger Kearney, who was in the week before. Um, when you're trying to put together a board, I don't know where they would value those two comparatively to one another. And obviously there's a lot of other offensive linemen on the board. I think in another way, getting a kid like Jamal Merriweather in here is good. Merriweather is about a 10 offer kid right now. He's 6'7", 260. He's at Brunswick. He is full-blown developmental offensive lineman, but he's one of those kids that has the frame and the athleticism where he could really turn into something special. So it's kind of like the ability to keep tabs on him by right. building a relationship. They haven't offered him yet. But it's clear as day that, you know, if he goes in the spring and takes a big turn and then going into his senior season and takes an even bigger turn, FSU has put themselves in the position where if they do offer him, it's not going to be too late, as we like yeah. to say in recruiting. Plus, um, if you're Alex Atkins, you want to you want kind of this this laid out graph, you know, to follow the development of a guy like that. You want to see him again in yeah. April. You want to go see him in May when you can go watch him. In, in spring practice, then you want to have him come on your campus. And by the end of summer, you kind of know, okay, is this guy trending to be a prospect that I want to watch for the fall? Or is he just a lost cause because I've been keeping tabs on him now for eight months and, you know, I haven't seen the development. So sometimes this is that part of the process, just the early end of it. Yeah. Saturday to me was a, a mix. There were a few top target types, you know, Reed, uh, Lavallee, uh, Kirkland, 
uh, Reed's teammate, whose name is escaping me at this moment, Kelton Smith. Um, you know, those are top targets. Those are guys that I think FSU would take and not really think twice about right now. I think they like them a great deal. Then you have some of the locals, a Keyshawn Mashburner, who's a younger kid, came in, defensive, D- offensive he, lineman. He's probably he, a D what, lineman. I think he's a D tackle long term, okay. looking at that body type. Um, he's just a big kid already, and he's a yeah, young he's kid. And there's definitely some maturation to go on there. Um, and then you have a couple of Rickards kids come in. Uh, Oral Gray, who's over in Jacksonville, came back over. He's a kid that's been a pretty common regular around here that they haven't offered yet. So you have that kind of tier. And then you have the guys like Upshaw come in who you want to pull the trigger on an offer. Or a guy like Jordan Church, who you're continuing to build that relationship with, same with Jamal Merriweather. So it's kind of a different tier system. Um, you know, it wasn't – I don't want to turn Saturday into more than it was. I, I wasn't overly impressed with the amount of talent that rolled through. But there are guys that did roll through that certainly can help them. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Zach, tell me more about Deron Reed from Carver. Yeah, well, Florida State has a longstanding relationship there. Obviously, Ryan Bartow is pretty connected to, you know, Carver. And uh, the defensive line coaches, Odell Higgins and and John Papushas, are also involved in that recruitment. He loves Florida State. He keeps coming back. Um, It's definitely the school he's visited the most. But he's a guy that's, you know, got offered by Clemson, I think, a couple weeks ago. He's going to go visit there this weekend. So he's going to explore some more, um, take some other visits. FSU is going to get him back on campus on March 5th, which is slated to be more of a, you know, high priority day for, for FSU targets um, from, from the early, uh, you know, collections of, of my list right now. Is March 5th the first of spring? What's significant about March 5th? We, is that spring we haven't definitively been told that it's the start of spring practice, but I, I believe it is. Um, it may not be day one, it might be day two, yeah. but it, right. it's right there at the front. It's the first Saturday of what we expect to be spring practice. So, yeah. And we saw FSU do that last year. Yes. I think it was the very first Saturday in March, I think. So you're probably right. That is probably the first Saturday of spring practice. So that could be like, that was kind of like the unofficial junior day for Florida State. Yeah. The way I view this month, like I know we were talking about how, you know, that they're, they're, these weekends aren't as star-studded. They're getting a lot of guys on campus, maybe that aren't as, you know, highly ranked, but they that they've offered. And I think they're kind of uh, trying to figure out their board before March recruiting rolls in. Because that, you know, after February, you know, the February signing day, the whole focus turns to 2023 um, and transfer portal kind of gets put on the back burner until uh, April, May, June months. So I, I'm not, I'm not worried about big names on campus. We know the one thing, you know, we don't have to worry about with Mike Norvell and the staff is getting guys on campus. So I, I do think that they're just, they're going through the process of figuring out their board, yeah. getting guys on campus from any level Um but I do want to talk still more about Deron Reed and specifically defensive tackle recruiting, because the one thing I haven't seen in recent years is Florida State really dial in on that defensive tackle early on, recruit him through the process, land him sometime. You know, we've seen defensive tackle recruiting become next guy up on the board who, who is on the board. You know, there's been a lot of question marks, whereas when Florida State had it rolling, they were identifying that target early, getting on him, getting him on campus multiple times, and then landing him. Deron Reed, to me, kind of has that feel. Is he the elite defensive tackle right now that we should be focused on, do you think, Chris? Uh, The one question I have there with Reed is the body. Um, He's very tall and slender. 
You know, I think he's a kid who could probably live on the edge. Certainly can add weight to that frame if he so chooses. So is he, he elite? Could end up inside. Let's let's rewind that a minute. Is he elite? Is he elite? I think he's pretty damn good. I think the ceiling is capable of being elite. I don't know if I'd slap that title on him this moment, but I think he's certainly capable of that down the line. I, you know, thinking of guys I know FSU is involved with at the defensive tackle position. Vic Burley. Uh, Vic maybe? Burley is yeah. Vic Burley is the first one that comes. But would we? But would we say Deron Reed might? be best available right now as far as like attainable attain best yes yeah yeah i'd agree with you on that yes i don't i don't think vic burley's that attainable right i think i think it's gonna be tough to beat out georgia and clemson for Vic Burley. yeah and that's that's kind of why i thought this weekend it was maybe a big weekend because you had maybe your top defensive tackle prospect on campus and we don't we don't get that a lot you know we're supposed to be here for example, on March 5th, he is a guy that said that we visited Tennessee, I believe, this past weekend, mentioned FSU for March 5th. So, but most of, but you know, when it comes to attainable, Duran Reed might be it. So, it was important to get him on campus one of the very first visit weekends. We think we'll see him again March 5th. This is kind of the formula for Odell. If he's going to get in on a defensive tackle early, when you start racking up these visits back to back to back to back, um, that's kind of the formula. But it also will depend on the competition. Um, yeah. We saw that with Elijah Pritchett. The formula worked up to a certain point. That was when Alabama, was when Alabama decided to take him. So if there's a program that comes in like an Alabama, like a Georgia, I just wonder if Florida State can hold up to that pressure. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, I mean, Reed's an extremely talented kid. I like the Kayshawn kid from Brunswick too, but mm-hmm. I kind of said to Zach when we were discussing him that I don't know that he's necessarily what we would view as like a tier one defensive tackle for for them, but if they work through the six to eight names that are at the top for Odell and, you know, they go one, four, oh, for with that bunch, he's probably a kid that's sort of next man up. He's also, he's, they're not like him and Darren Reed are nowhere near the same type of defensive no. tackle prospect. He's more of a one tech or, or nose. Yeah. Um, yeah he's he's a Darren big boy Reed that gobbles the middle while Reed is a much longer reach guy. He can move around, could play inside, could play outside. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's switch gears and let's go from 2023 talk to the current class, 2022. Sorry for the confusion. Well, real quick, I, I forgot one name. Okay. And we discussed all those guys. Xavier Terrell, running back from Aquinas, came up to um, him. Mom and dad came up from Fort Lauderdale area. He's a scat back, um, mm. you know, just real fast, kind of tiny, but electric, also a capable catcher if he needs to be. He's a guy that David Johnson gave a lot of attention. He got an offer not too long before he came up for this visit. I think the visit was pretty important to him. He intends to keep showing back up up here. Um, you know, if FSU is looking for a variety of backs, which they seem to consistently year in, year out under Mike Norvell, you know, a guy who can catch, do things out of backfield versus another guy who might be more power. He's kind of that smaller of the type of options, and he's a guy that they definitely invested some time in. So he's just one name I kind of glanced over earlier. And he's an offer guy and that, yeah, it does fit the description of what Florida State recruits at that position. So he's potentially a name to keep an eye on. Um, who is in it for him? When did he say when he plans to make a decision? Uh, he's not in a rush. He's a kid that I expect spring to be good too, because he's going to become a more featured back for Aquinas with a uh, Hankerson moving on. Right. He and every team in America Robin through there and watch right. him. So he's got a handful of offers. Maryland's one of the better offers right now. Miami, Ohio, I forget some of the other ones. He's not really in the narrowing the list, figuring things out stage right now. All right. Well, we know Florida State is going to try to keep it in state. 
when it comes to skill positions this cycle. So we'll see. We'll keep tabs on him. Um, but let's switch it to 2022. We uh, we have a couple spots left in the class. Jacksonville Bowls defensive lineman Jack Pyburn. He's a name that we've been talking about on consecutive podcasts now as somebody that Florida State went to go visit after the dead period. And then on Friday, they brought him in on an unofficial visit. He came in with some family members to watch Florida State um, strength and condition. Chris, Jack Pyburn leaves Florida State with or without an offer. He left without an offer and giving Zach a very interesting interview. Zach, uh, what did Jack Pyburn have to say to you on Friday? Yeah, I mean, he he was respectful. He he gave, you know, pretty high reviews for his visit on Friday, but it was kind of pretty telling just the way he he described the, the offer situation. He said it was a weird situation and he didn't know how much he could talk about it. Um, there was a lot of, when I would ask a question, just be kind of response like a yes or yes, sir, you know, not, not, not much clarification after that. So, you know, I respect that, but it, you know, the whole, this whole situation, I know you got, we've been talking about this a lot, but this whole situation has been super weird to me. Obviously Florida state's weighing their own, you know, options behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, how this situation unfolded, but I've just been confused as to why, you know, he visited Florida state, went to go see him. And then he who, visited. Who came in with him on the visit to Florida state? Um, like I think four family members, a mm-hmm. trainer, and a coach. Okay. Yeah, wrestling coach. Yeah. Gotcha. They were they were on their way to Auburn. I guess um, this is a stop he wanted to take, and he mentioned in that interview that he could be back on Sunday, and I think that was kind of contingent on them offering him a scholarship. Um, obviously, we got word Saturday evening that that wasn't going to take place; that they were not going to uh, extend him a scholarship. And in turn, he was not going to visit on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So have, has anybody some... reached back out to him or has there been any comment on? Uh, I mean, he wrapped up the Auburn visit and told them that it was down to them in Miami, that that's where the focus so was. So Auburn and, and Miami in both yeah. have offered him scholarships. Um, yes. And okay. he's been to Auburn twice in the last two weeks and Miami for an unofficial in that time too. All right. So Chris... Yeah. What's your take on it? I think FSU is satisfied with the numbers and what they have in the defensive end and defensive tackle rooms. And he's wholeheartedly a kid who's probably going to end up transitioning to defensive tackle at the, at the college level um, long-term. Mm-hmm. I think it just didn't make sense to them to go on him. Right. That he didn't fit what they need, who they need, where they are right now. I think they'd much rather kind of see how the spring plays out at those two positions and go from there rather than simply taking another one to take another one when you are to some degree running a little bit tight on numbers, at least in the moment. Yeah. Um, We've all been around recruiting and I'm just going to throw this out there. What do you think? We've all, we've all kind of seen this. Do you think maybe Florida state was bringing him in as a favor? I don't. um, Cause I don't think the kid wanted that. I don't, I think that was communicated both ways that let's not do each other any favors. Let's, not just offer me to say we offered me if we're going to offer let's be serious about it I, I don't think it was that I think it was a matter of kind of putting finality to the situation I mean it essentially was a week-long intense recruitment in the sense of FSU went over that first Friday it opened up did some work with him in the sense of evaluating him 
making further judgments than they work to get them on campus the following Friday. And it's pretty much wrapped yeah, up by I, Saturday if they decided against it. It's just kind of, the only weird thing for me is I just, the whole way through from what I was hearing behind the scenes, there was never a point where I was told that the staff was in favor of offering him. Like it was always I, a no. I don't think the staff in general, like as a whole, as a group thing was. Ever. Yeah, I think it was always in the, you know, he plays at Jacksonville Bulls. This isn't exactly a school that flies under the radar. Every team in America comes through Jacksonville and, and goes to Bulls High School and has known of Jack Piper. And I, I talked to a coach at a different school, not in the state of Florida, who's familiar. And he said he was he would be surprised if Miami and Auburn were offering him a scholarship. He didn't he didn't view him as a D1 as a power five offer guy. Um mainly due to his size and maybe being tapped out maxed out at this it you know in his evaluation Pyburn being maxed out um and, and a potential tweener on the next level so I view you know from what I was hearing behind the scenes it was whether or not you know Pyburn was going to come in like you said most likely transition to an interior guy he's going to be a sort of bottom of the roster scholarship that might or might not pan out in three plus years and I don't think that they were looking to use a scholarship on that um I think that they have plenty of scholarships I don't think this is a scholar I don't think this is a number thing yeah I think they have a blueprint of what they want their team to look like going into the spring going into next season coming in August and I don't know that he fit into that blueprint I think they're fairly comfortable at the end and de-tackle in conversations I've had over the last 10 days now pertaining to Pyburn, the defensive end and the defensive tackle positions. It never was like, we have to have this kid to rectify or further strengthen those two spots. Right. I think they like a lot of what they have at those two spots. They also have a great deal of unknown at each spot, mainly younger kids or guys who just haven't yet really done it, but are part of this team that they kind of want to see where they're going there. I don't know that they wanted to devote another scholarship number to that when they might have a more pressing need when we, you know, exit the spring. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's FSU is abundantly clear to be comfortable playing in the portal. So if they do exit the spring and they need a D end or a D tackle, I think they feel like they can go to the portal and get a kid of equal or greater value than what they would have got in Piper. Yeah. I, I, I want to add in like to the go portal. Ahead. I always like, when this Jack Pryburn, you know, talk started up a couple of weeks ago, I was always of the opinion that FSU is better off, you know, portal shopping maybe during or after the spring and adding like a DN. Cause I, I know the two positions that I know FSU is interested in uh, adding to in the portal are defensive end and in the cornerback position or defensive back in general, but I've been told corner. I think that Florida state would have been better off, or would be better off, um, heading to the portal and trying to trying to add that way. I think you're going to get more of an in, impact player and maybe a guy that you can get in for two, three years uh, if you're lucky. Um, yeah. And to add to that point, Deanne, you're looking to see Byron Turner, Pat Payton, George Wilson. Do any of those guys start showing you signs of their, you know, guys you can count on this coming year. D tackle. It's more guys like Chambray Jackson, uh, Josh Farmer taking that next step. Daniel Lyons. Daniel Lyons or Bishop Thomas, both who were early enrolled. 
Right. Do any of those guys help you give you six or seven at that position? Because you know you have four or five real solid ones at the top. It's about the next man up. If you and feel is good he about among, your numbers, is he as good as those names you mentioned? Right. I think that's if you something feel good else about those numbers. To. Why devote something else in 2022 to that spot when you're probably going to have a more pressing need at another spot? Yeah. And and sometimes this these scenarios get overhyped. The spotlight is too bright on them, just due to the fact that there's nothing else going on in 2022. Yeah. Um, and I want to. I wrote about Jack Pyburn in December, and nobody gave right. You know what? But now when he's but now everybody cares because he's the sole folk. Because that's what happens. <laughs> the the fan base quickly moves their obsession from you know, Jared verse to Jack Pyburn. It doesn't matter that the talent level, it doesn't matter that it that, that they don't equate fans. Just think that like, if he's the only name on the board, then he's going to get all of our obsession. Yeah. And so, I, I don't think he's a bad player. Um, I no, think I think the saga just got kind of overblown and he may be really good wherever he goes. And people will say, Oh, FSU will regret that. I just don't think that it's what FSU needed at this time. And I think that's the way they viewed it and why they went against the idea of offering him. All right. Anything else between now and early signing day when it pertains to the 2022 class? Yeah, I'm making sure Antavius Woody can make grades and get a letter of intent in return for that. Jordan James is a name we keep tabs on, but it looks like it's going to be Oregon and then Florida for visits. Oregon last week in Florida this coming weekend. He's a running back out of Tennessee. Yeah, currently Georgia commitment, but I don't right. think he signs with Georgia. I don't think Georgia thinks right now that he signs with them either. Um, and you know, we'll keep an eye on it and see if they get anybody in here this coming weekend going into Monday. I don't know of a name that I would definitely point out, but you know, we'll see if they try to address a need or two before it wraps up here. Okay. And then for 2023 recruiting, Zach, we kind of talked about March 5th, but is there anything else coming up? Do we expect kind of these small visit weekends every weekend before March 5th, or was this just two in a row? Yeah, I mean, there's only really one more weekend that that FSU can host visitors because oh, yeah, it goes dead. February goes dead. That's um, right. And then, you know, obviously signing day and then February is yeah. dead. And then as soon as March opens up, they'll be hosting again. So this coming weekend, yes, there'll be visitors. I already have, um, or I'm compiling a, a list behind the scenes and we'll, we'll, you know, feature those names throughout the week. Okay, good. Um, one more thing I wanted to hit on before we end with a little hoops talk. Um, Dugan, Ron Dugan's and Odell Hagan's expiring contracts uh, come up at the end of the month. We've talked a lot about them. And at this point, you know, I continue to tell you guys, I expect Dugan's and Odell to be extended. Um, Dugan's could be, well, we'll talk about length of the deal. It could be a one-year deal, but that's un- inconclusive right now. I don't know, but I fully expect him. I know that last week he was off the road. We reported that Ryan Barto was on the trail due to a illness on the coaching staff. Uh, I'm told that was Ron Dugans. I know that there was some speculation because of the contract stuff, but I can tell you that he was in the staff meeting yesterday. Um, Florida State had a full staff meeting. Uh, not that it was unexpected or expected, but you know, Dugans has been around. I don't think that's going to change um, between now and the end of the month. So until there's an official announcement from Florida State, we won't know. We continue to check with the university every week. Um, they don't really have much to update us on, but we do expect that by the end of the month that, you know, they'll say something. Yeah, one week from today. 
Yeah, there you go. One week from today. But um, sounds just, like a Friday news dump if I've ever heard one. <laughs> right. Which is the timing of it. You know, hey, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll get my thoughts on that after this is all all done. But let's talk a little hoops. Uh, Florida State continues to roll. They went down to Coral Gables on Saturday, Chris, to take on Miami. It was a hell of a game. Yeah, 61-60 victory. Uh, it didn't feel at all close after one half, 43-19 FSU's leading after the first half. And then, well, we all had to hold on for dear life down the stretch there. I'll, I'll tell my boy Zach out a little bit. We had it on the iPad in the Moore Center while we were waiting for kids to leave. And Zach was not handling the potential crumble and completely uh, – dropping that one like FSU was trying to down the stretch there very well my, my guy was not in a good place I felt yeah. kind of bad for him um it was weird uh FSU looked like the tired team I expected him to be in the second mm-hmm. half a lot of sloppiness 15 turnovers Anthony Polite airmailed one about five deck five rows into the lower deck um but hey they won and they're in first in the ACC and they won four games in eight days uh, giving UNF's not a very good team. It was tough in there, but still four games in eight days is a tough task. I think it it shows a little bit of the uh, tournament mentality you hope to see from a team in the sense of taking to scouting reports quickly, dealing with tired legs, playing through it, gutting out victories. I thought Caleb Mills was great down a stretch in some ways for FSU in that Miami win in the sense of knowing at times that they had to have a basket. He went and did what had to be done. Um, Polite was phenomenal in the first half. I thought Anthony Polite actually played his best half of basketball in the first half that he has this season. Uh, he was almost equally as bad in the second half, but that was sort of the tail of the game was a great first half where everything clicked. FSU played lockdown defense, hit shots at a high clip, uh, super efficient. And then second half couldn't take care of the ball if their life depended on it. Miami got a healthy amount of easy buckets. Also, a few four-point plays with three-pointers getting fouled on and making the three-pointer. So that's all kind of – you take it and you go with it and you hope they rest up and get a little healthier. Uh, You need Malik Osborne to be off that foot and let him get to a point where he is a little bit more fresh on it because he's certainly struggling right now. He was one for ten against Miami. He's not – he's just not elevating like he normally does on shots, not finishing him like he normally does. He's showing the effects of that foot injury. But he brings a lot of other things to the court, therefore they're going to play him. What's coming up? Georgia Tech on Wednesday, 9 p.m. at their place. Georgia Tech's, I believe, one and six, might be one and five in the league right now. They lost so much from last year, and they look like the team you would sort of expect when you lost that much from a club. But a guy like Michael DeVoe, a guy like uh, uh, mainly DeVoe is one that comes to mind for them, can be dangerous. He's the kind of guy that can fill it up, have a big night, put his team in contention. Um, Jordan Usher is another one. He gets downhill, can really push you, do something. So, they do have enough dangerous pieces. You got to be prepared. You can't have that letdown game. I'm interested to see if FSU's ranked today. That's what I was going to ask you. Are we yeah, going to be ranked today? I don't think they will because they weren't receiving votes last week, and there was ballpark about 37, 38, 39 teams. There's a couple the big wins in there. Yeah, there is, and they're first in the league. But man, the league is just getting no respect nationally. And right. The league isn't very good. Like I, I don't have an issue with the lack of respect, but I feel like we've gone polar opposite of normal years where we over respect the ACC of, Oh my God, they're so great. They might have 10 tournament teams in January to, Oh my God, they might only have two tournament teams and FSU's on the bubble right now, despite being first in the league. I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. FSU is a good plenty team. of time. FSU is a tournament team. FSU has to win a healthy amount down the stretch and ensure that they're the tournament team. 
one of the tournament teams from the league. But uh, yeah, FSU is a good basketball team. We talked about it on the basketball pod last week. They're they're an evolving bunch. Yeah. Who like like the more Jalen Worley does good things, and he had a couple of real good moments in the first half of the Miami game. The more he does good things, the more he is an added asset for them and what they need to be. The more they can get to Nor Ingham back in the mix and healthy, and he's back for them. That is a big, big piece for them. You know, getting Malik to kind of handle the workload, because I don't think that injury is going to really improve for him. I think it's more a matter of workload and getting the most out of him when you need it, and then not playing him minutes when you don't need to. There has to be a healthy balance with that. But you also need other guys to emerge to take the weight off of his shoulders to allow him to do that. So those are some key things for a hoops team I'm looking coming forward. They've got a few home games here coming up. Be Tech. Uh, is this coming weekend? Um, and then they have another home game uh, the first weekend of February, and then they're on the road for three consecutive Saturdays. Okay. Well, things are starting to slow down a little bit. Um, like you said, I think the portal starts to slow down at this point. 2022 recruiting slows down. Um, we'll see one more weekend visit of 2023, and then that will also slow down during the month of February as it goes dead. Yeah. But we'll keep potting. We'll be here. We'll keep breaking it down for you guys. We'll be back this week. We'll get Brendan Sinone on here as well. Thank you guys for listening to On the Bench. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.